Hello, fellow historians. I'm Billy, and I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of my podcast, The Political History of the United States. Our goals on this series is to journey from the beginning of the American political history all the way to today's political events. And where shall we begin then with the founding of the colonies? Most of these colonies were founded on the idea of autonomy, or put in another way, freedom. Many people came for religious freedom to practice their religion without the state watching over them and judging them and persecuting them. They could be looking for economic freedom in which to earn money however they like, even if it includes slavery in the large plantations. However, some just wanted freedom, like the Quakers, who just wanted to go and be free and live out the lands. Now, at this point, the colonies were in no way united, and there was no government that united them in any way. However, there was government. However, much of the government was localized governments. State legislators were the most common. However, there were more local governments. But the main idea of these governments were that they were local and that the people of the town or the colony got to choose what happened to them and their citizens. And this was really good for Great Britain, who owned the colonies, because it means that they had to do nothing to keep them in check and had to do nothing with collecting taxes. And this was great. This symbiotic relationship, more commonly known as salutary neglect, between Great Britain and the original colonies was actually the prosperous time in the relationship between Great Britain and the colonies. However, like all good relationships, this one could not last. And who would intervene? It would be the French. For you see, the French and the British were great rivals, and great rivals must go to war, apparently. And the French and Indian War in North America saw the British colonies be threatened by French military action. And so, Britain called on their colonies, and called for them for protection. And one of the most interesting things we find in the French and Indian War is the first time we see a united American government under none other than Ben Franklin. Many of the northern states united in what's known as the Albany Congress, in which many, many delegates from many states came together and they formed this, like, Congress. But it didn't last for long. Ben Franklin had great ideas for this Congress and his Albany Plan of Union to unite all 13 colonies, but it was a very radical idea of the time, for the year was only 1854 when he proposed this, and the Albany Congress would dissolve soon after the war ended, and the first attempt at a united American government had failed. However, before we can get into the other first national governments of the United States, we must get into the situation, which many of you, if you are American especially, will definitely know what I'm going to talk about, the taxes. For you see, the French and Indian War, or the Seven Years' War, had cost Great Britain a lot of money. And as they saw it, they saw the war as protection for the 
North American colonies. So why wouldn't why wouldn't they just pay for the war? And so came the taxes. And no, up to these points in the 1760s, most taxation had been done by the local state governments. And they saw this as a violation of their rights and their freedoms, which is the whole reason they moved over to this new continent, to gain their freedoms. So, that is why they were mad at these taxes. However, things really escalated in 1870 with events like the Boston Massacre, and in 1873 with the Boston Tea Party. And one of the major events that, that came from the Boston Tea Party was the Intolerable Acts. The most, they're not the most famous, but the one act that's most important to the things we're talking about is the act which dissolved Massachusetts state government, which, as you can see, is going a step too far. This is Great Britain saying, you can't rule yourselves, we rule you. And as you can see, this is a big deal. As a result, 12 of the original 13 colonies met in what would become the first Continental Congress to respond to what had been going on in Massachusetts. However, Georgia didn't go, mainly because they didn't feel threatened by Great Britain at all. And they actually relied on Great Britain to defend them from Native American attacks. Well, when these, when these representatives met in Philadelphia in, eight, in 1774, this was the first truly united American government, even though Georgia wasn't in it. And these, and one, even though the first Continental Congress didn't do that much, it did show that the colonies could unite. However, the Congress, like I said, hasn't, didn't do much at all. And as we move on into the next year, 1775, we begin to see that Boston actually goes into open rebellion to Great Britain. However, the war had not become about in independence. And now the colonies decided we need to meet again because the first Congress had left. But the second Continental Congress met again. And this Congress would stay through until until 1781 with the creation of the Confederacy Congress, as it's known. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. For you see, for an open rebellion has no legitimacy without a government. And something I should say at this point is that this Congress had no legitimacy. They were, first of all, not, not, mm. Congress did not, the Congress did not have the support of the U United Kingdom's Parliament. Another thing, they were supporting an open rebellion to the Great Britain. And so, no legitimacy at all what they were doing. And the second Congress in 1775 sent what became known as the Olive Branch Agreement, in which they basically agreed that if the Great Britain would allow the colonies to go back to the way they were, then they would openly walk back to Great Britain and end the rebellion. However, Great Britain and King George at this point declared that they were going to crush the rebellion. So at this point, the Congress appointed George Washington the general of the Continental Army and sent him off. 
And that's all that really happened in the year 1775. But as we go into the year 1776 in the beginning, we see one of the most well-known articles published known by Thomas Paine. It's called Common Sense. And it advocated for total independence from Great Britain. And it was a radical idea at the time. Like I said, it, most people were British. They were one or two generations away from Brit Britain. And it was a very radical idea. However, the way Britain was treating them compared to the way they were before the French and Indian War, people saw that they needed to get their freedom back. And so, the Congress actually began considering independence. And John Adams was actually one of the biggest promoters of total independence from Great Britain. And finally, on July 2nd, this Continental Congress, which, by the way, has no legitimacy at all, decides that it's time to declare independence. And the official document, which known as the Declaration of Independence, was signed on the 4th of July, 1776. Now, one of the things the mem <coughs> members of this Congress immediately went to do Sorry, I got a cough there. Ooh. One of the things this Congress immediately got to action in was creating a government for this new independent nation to have. And they came up with what became known as the Articles of Confederation. Now, this article was written just to be the opposite of the way Great Britain was. Great Britain was infringing on their rights. They were being an authoritarian government. However, this government had absolutely no power, so it couldn't oppress its citizens. That's the whole reason the Articles were so weak. They saw Great Britain as this strong power, and if they had a weak government, the states could do whatever they want, just like it was before. But as we'll see later, that will cause some problems. However, the Articles of Confederation would not take effect until all 13 states ratified it, and that would not be for a few years. Now, the Continental Congress already had trouble paying the soldiers of the Continental Army. And that was kind of not good. And now we're getting to 187, I'm sorry, 1781. And Maryland becomes the last state to ratify the Articles of Confederation, and they take into effect. And one of the, and one of the things that continued over from the Continental Congress is that they couldn't pay the soldiers. Actually, near the end of the war, the soldiers started to mutiny on George Washington, but George Washington being George Washington made them stop mutinying. But, and as we move on, this Congress actually does something. They actually sign the peace treaty with Great Britain, giving them their independence. Which, um, with the amount of power they're giving is like the only thing they can do. And the only other thing that this government is able to do is set up the Northwest Territory, which basically said all of the newly gained territory above the Ohio River will become the Northwest Territory, and it will not have slavery. But that is the only thing the Articles of Confederation did. It could not collect tax revenue. It could not do anything. It, it even gave the right to hold an army to the states, and the states had no power. Now, if you're thinking that because the federal government can't tax. There's no taxes. How nice. Well, that's wrong. The state governments were still taxing. And actually, in Massachusetts, they were taxing the farmers who had fought in the American Revolution very heavily. And one farmer, and 
and famous person from the American Revolution. He was his name was was Shays. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but you know we're gonna do that a lot as we go on with this. But Shay took up his fellow farmers and said, "We cannot allow this. We follow war to stop this oppressive taxation, and we're gonna go stop it." And he led a rebellion known as Shay's Rebellion, and Shay's Rebellion, which happened in. 1786 marked a turning point. Politicians said that the Articles of Confederation had failed. And actually, a small group of them met in Annapolis in 1786 and said, we're going to fix it. But we don't have enough support here to actually fix it. And so they said, you know what? We'll meet again next year in Philadelphia over the summer. And that famous meeting will become known as the Constitutional Convention, which I will talk about in the next episode, along with the Constitution. Because as we talk about American politics, we need to understand the American Constitution and how it works. And I hope to see you then.